Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Today's episode is brought to you by WP Maintenance Plan. You can find out more at WPMP.org. It's a business that will cover handling the maintenance of your WordPress site. Did you know that in order for your website to show up at the top of Google search listings, it has to be in compliance with a heck of a lot of different standards from optimizing the page, from security fixes, from all sorts of maintenance that I don't want to deal with, you probably don't want to deal with, you probably want to just focus on whatever awesome service you offer to your customers. So offload all of that maintenance, all of that technical stuff to WP Maintenance Plan. They'll take care of it at a 100% satisfaction guarantee for only $49 a month. No WordPress site comes out of the box, even meeting two-thirds of Google's recommendations for what a website needs to have in order to place high on its search listings. So check out WPMP.org to find out more. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Tommy Mello. He's the founder of A1 Garage Doors, and he's going to be talking about how he grew and scaled a business that was founded in a, a really incredibly competitive market and how he turned it into something that's making $30 million a year with over 200 employees. Hey, if you've been looking for the answer on how you can grow and scale your own business, you're going to love this episode. Make sure you check out more about Tommy. Check out his podcast. I'll have the link in the description below. Hey, enjoy this episode. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I'm sitting down with Tommy Mello. He's the founder of A1 Garage Doors. It's a $30 million a year business. He's got over 200 employees. It's an extremely competitive business. If you've been looking to take your business to the next level, you need to dig into this episode. I'm really excited to get some insights from Tommy. Tommy, thank you for joining from very hot Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, thanks for having me, Blake. Appreciate it. Anytime. Now, we were just talking a second ago before we hit record about, man, this COVID thing is just, it's been a whirlwind. It has been. You know, I, no one really knew that we were going to get branded essential or not in business. And certain people, when, when it hit for us, uh, as a leader, I knew I had to be a little bit tentative of what's going on, although it didn't really all happen. Everybody was like, Corona what in January, then it really got bad quick. And so we, we, we really had to strap down as a company and decide what we were going to do. Cause for all I knew there was going to be the military tanks going through the streets, letting you not go outside. <laughs> and I was, we, we were literally going, we were, we were tracking it every single day sales and, and more importantly profit. And we made a spreadsheet of every employee of every department decided kind of like, are they essential or not essential as employees? And uh, we strapped down and did the things we needed to do and really grew a stronger company during COVID. Uh, we did a case study. It's 80 pages on, 
I call it the growth of A1. Uh, the, actually, it's called the rise of A1 Garage Door Service, COVID-19. So um, taught us a lot. And obviously, I'm not happy about what's going on out there, but I'm happy about the way that we come started to come out of this thing. So, well, it's, it's kind of a, it's a strange topic to get into because it's hard as a business owner to not fall into like the doom and gloom of like, basically we're all screwed. And then when you, when you meet someone like yourself who it, it just, it feels like, and I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about like the scummy people who are like trying to flip hand sanitizer. I'm talking about like, there's people who are so trapped in like fear, doubt, uncertainty. And then there's people like yourself who are, and I don't know how to phrase this without, without us sounding kind of skeezy, but, but finding a silver lining to still grow as a company, to still be profitable as a company, to still rise as a company. I think that's something that's pretty insightful, not even just on your business acumen, but it's something that frankly, every listener, if they really dig into, can really grab onto rather than, oh, we're just not going to sell anything for the next eight months. Yeah. You know, I, I could have went under a bridge and hid and, but I communicated with the staff daily. But the big thing was, is we decided to spend a considerable amount of, of cash on marketing when no one else did. You see, TV became a fifth of the price because no one was doing national advertising because these companies weren't able to work. So we were buying at a fifth of the price with five times the exposure. And that put a huge imprint. I mean, we, we've never been so busy. I've got to the point like where I was getting 70 cancellations a day. We couldn't even keep up. Mm. That's how bad it got. Right now, I have 55 technicians training in my training center. And I can tell you that that there's this thing during business. You're either feast or famine. You either got too many leads, not enough guys, or vice versa. It's hard to find an equilibrium. And we've done a good job of doing that. But when you get a thing like the housing crisis in 2008, 9, 10, or what's going on right now, you either see companies rise or they fall. And for the most part, they're falling fast, but the winners are big, big winners. Now, how are you? I mean, is this is this just business experience? Because, like, I'm 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 reading your bio. I know you're an investor in 13 different businesses. I'm sure you've been in business for quite a while. H- how does someone, especially like someone, maybe one of my listeners, when something that is so um, detrimental to the market shows up? And obviously, we never had anything like COVID before. But but how did you keep yourself from going into paralysis? oh my gosh, the sky is falling, we're screwed, we need to lay off our whole staff, what are we going to do? Because it sounds like, and, and maybe you had that for a second, but it sounds like you have, and, and again, I, I'm looking for the right words, you've, you have found opportunity in spite of the circumstances. Yeah, well, I think the fact is we've been through that housing crisis. We've been through a lot of hard times. We've been through the good and the bad. And uh I've got a really, really good network of people. So I was talking to other business owners. You know, I have my own podcast. So I'm really close with with about 15 really, really, really smart people that have similar like businesses. Some have different businesses. I talk to a lot of, a lot of private equities, a lot of different CEOs that do $250 million a year. And I kind of talk to them because they've been through not only one or two of these, but they've been through 10 of these situations in the last <laughs> 50, 60 years. So yeah, geez. I to my network and um, I'm one of those guys that not only is the cup half full, but it's overfillingly full. I'm optimistic. I try to keep a balance around me of people like warn me, pump the great breaks. I kind of fill in the voids all around me, but I'm the most optimistic person. And 
I see everything as an opportunity. Every single thing that happens when, when the stock is going down, there's someone that shorted that stock. There's someone's always winning when, when someone's losing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I tend to be try to focus on being that winner. It's kind of <laughs> like that. Uh, it's like I think it's like, I'm going to butcher it. It's an or, it's an old Warren Buffett quote, but it's basically it's like be confident when others are fearful and be wary when others are, um, I guess, confident, right? And so yeah, yeah. Well, when people are selling, you buy, and when people are buying, you sell. That's the old Warren Buffett cliche, and. And he's the best person to tell you, focus in on one or two or three things. Don't focus on a million things. And that's what I've learned is this last two years, I've actually really put my time, energy, and focus into A1 Garage Door Service. Um, and I read the book Essentialism and Gary Keller, The One Thing. And it, it, it's focus, ultimate, ultra focus on one thing. And a lot of business owners have the shiny light uh blindness that they, everywhere they look, they become real estate investors are doing this or doing this or doing this. And I've made that mistake and it's not the way to go, especially when you're early on a business. Do not do try to do 10 things. You'll see a lot of opportunities come your way that all of them you can make money on. But when you really analyze your time, where can you grow the fastest and stick to that, have a five-year plan and at least give it the, the plan to go forward instead of just Boom, I'm distracted. Boom, I'm distracted. It's the worst, worst, worst thing you could do to a small business. Well, and it's it's almost like, especially as a new business owner, I don't know how diligent people are on like protecting their time because it's not even like, you know, you have like the serial entrepreneurs who can't stick with one idea. They jump from one to, to the next. Oh, the yeah. Next. Yep. But also I, I found it with people who, and you and I were talking a little bit about like SEO and like digital marketing before we jumped on, uh, hit the record button. But I've also seen new business owners who, they they go into business almost as if they were already like a, a six or seven figure business. And so they're trying to do everything that that owner would do. And so they're trying to run digital, digital marketing. They're trying to run um, all these different elements of their business when they haven't even built the foundation. They don't even have a single sale yet, but like they have the podcast, they have the newsletter, they have the blog. I mean, and all these things are great in a vacuum, but it's, it's so much for the new business owner to do. Well, I'll tell you what, I started out in the field. I think the biggest mistake I made is you, you got to have a plan. You got to have a business plan. You got to have an org chart. You got to have a depth chart. You got to understand the roles you're going to need to hire. Think about the company you want to be like. Don't only really think about it, but go to another city outside of your comfort zone. If I'm in Phoenix, bare minimum, I got to get out of here to Vegas or Denver or, or LA. And I got to go find the company I want to be like. And then I need to write down the characteristics of that company. And I got to write it down in the detail of who I want to become. And then I need to slowly go back year by year, quarter by quarter, month by month, week by week to today. What do I need to do and plan on that? Make sure I have enough money because most startups are underfunded and then figure out your why. Yeah. Why am I doing this? Because if it's because I don't want to work with other people, that why is not going to get you through the bad times. So have a plan and, and literally break it down into a way. But sales is the cure all. I'm sales and marketing. That's what I do. I've got an MBA, which did nothing for my career <laughs> in this industry. But what it did is it taught me a lot to hang out with the right group. It taught me how to network. It taught me how to build relationships. And I think that's the only thing really important I got out of an MBA. Let's have that by my name because people are like, oh, look at you. You're successful. I'm like, no, no, no. Nothing to do with that. Not, if I go back and put that time into being a diligent reader, going and studying other companies that are similar to mine, those two years I would have put into that all day long rather than getting the degree. So, but, but what you're talking about though is so, it's so tangible. I mean, get out there, make relationships and there's no shortage of events to go to people to engage with. 
this stuff's pretty easy conceptually. And yet a lot of new business owners struggle with some of these basics. What do you think's going on there? Well, I think they never had a coach. It's like, look, when I, when I played high school, you name it, I played it. There was practice. They taught us how to play the game. I knew exactly what I had to do to win. I'm competitive. I like key performance indicators. I've got four monitors here. This one's always refreshing my key KPIs. I've got five core ones, and then I can dig into those. Uh, I've learned how to manage people. I've learned how to be a leader. And unfortunately, I'd say upwards of 90% plus, they don't own a business. They own a job that they just manage people. But they, if they're not there, it doesn't run. A real business runs itself when you're not there. The day I knew I was a, su- a success, and I get this question a lot, is when I left town, and this was a couple of years ago, and we set a record month. I was on the phone three times total for the month. I, I kept an eye on my key KPIs, just, but I was more strategizing. I was the big picture looking at things. Um, so we set a record when I was gone with zero involvement. I could have been doing nothing that whole time. And the cool thing was when the check came, and this was an expensive dinner. There was a lot of people with us. I didn't look at the presenter. I literally shoved my card in there. Whereas 10 years ago, I would have been like, man, I hope she doesn't order that expensive bottle of wine. <laughs> that, you know, now I'm like, I can afford it. I can do what I want when I want with who I want. And money's a tool to get me to where I want to go, but it's not the end all be all. And I feel like they don't teach this in school. They, you know, our, our, our parents never taught us how to be financially stable, how compound interest. Einstein said it the best. It's the biggest thing in the universe when it's working for you or it could be working against you, which is credit cards. And uh, I've learned the hard way. I've read a lot of books, as you can see, and, and you have no idea. I've got a huge audible. So always be a student. Well, what about like people who, and it's like, and again, I, and I'm not, I'm not discounting your advice because it's, it's spot on hundred percent. You are, you're right on the money. It's, it's people hear that advice and then yet they don't, they don't act on it. Like for example, you mentioned audible. Audible is one of the most accessible platforms for people to, become a learner in business. And yet, and you probably, I I would be shocked if you aren't always, you know, um, giving advice to new entrepreneurs, to business owners, what have you. And yet there are people who they, they simply cannot implement what they're reading or they can't put into practice what they've heard. Is, is that because people at their core are, they just aren't a learner? Are they just unwilling to like, here's a great example. You mentioned being out of town and having this, this incredibly profitable month. Man, I know business owners who'd be really uncomfortable with that. They maybe would even take it personal and think, well, I need to get even more involved if they don't need me because it's more about their ego, so to speak. So like, what's, what's the disconnect between all of this incredible content and yet people not really being able to act on it, to function on it, to become sort of like these habitual learners? Um, you know, what, what, is that, what does that look like for people? What's going on there? Well, there's a couple of things there to unpackage. Number one is experience is the cure-all. I'd rather have somebody with experience than than an education. So going through these things, I used to read a book and come in with 10 new ideas. So I don't think necessarily you got to take these pieces of advice and and decide what's going to work and what's not. And as a leader, it's your job to be educated. But now what I do is set implementation strategies to get these things to happen. And I've got departments in my org chart and I stay in my own lane, but I give guidance and keep an eye on things. And I get, I have initiatives and I have goals and we have a budget. And the thing was, is we never had a budget. I mean, I can go into details of what works for me, but I think the biggest thing is 
So many people are perfectionists. They never, never know when to get started. Me, mm-hmm. I jump in head first and fix it as I go. They have the hard time taking the release of jumping off a cliff. And me, I got to tell you, I'm the biggest risk taker you've ever met. And to be a true entrepreneur, you've got to be a calculated risk taker. The second thing is they start something and it falls off because no one's there keeping them accountable. Mm-hmm. They've got to create accountability partners all around them. And if they could keep accountability and make a vow, and when you delegate properly, you're not just you're not just saying it. You're signing a document, and I like to make it a really nice, detailed document of saying what I'm going to acknowledge. And I make people watch me sign that and say, "Look, you better hold me accountable. Even though you work for me, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. You better hold mine to the fire." Mm-hmm. Because so many people have a hard time starting, and I think that's the biggest mistake I see is they always say, "We're going to do it. We're going to do it." Progress, not perfection. What my COO. He, he has a hard time or did have a hard time. He's like, ah, no, well, like he, he told me a couple of months ago, well, we'll get that started in August. I'm like, no, we'll start that next week. Mm-hmm. I'm like, everybody wants things to be perfect and it's just not the way to do business. How did you, I mean, you have just, just again, looking at your bio, listening to you, you have every reason to be ego driven. I mean, you have the money's coming in, you've built something meaningful. And yet we've mentioned leadership a couple of times it sounds like you have a very much ego-less style of leadership where you're willing to, for people to call you out, to hold you accountable, to, um, you know, obviously you grow as a person. How have you built something so sustainable, but also kept your ego, uh, you know, nothing wrong with a little bit of ego, but, but kept you from being the center of it all? Yeah, I, I just really felt like the team will get you there. I know for a fact I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do what we have now. I used to be in the business working every day, you know, the e-myth in the business, not on the business. Now I'm working on the business. You know, I, I try to stay as modest as possible. I drive a 2012 Nissan Titan. Um, I, I live in one of my units in the apartment complex, even though I have three apartments. I have two houses. I still stay at one of the apartments. And, uh, and most of all those are paid off. And, uh, you know, I calculated it last month. I made $5,000 an hour. Um, so that's how much I made. So when I look at stuff and that's not being confident or cocky, it's just saying I live very comfortably. I do whatever I want when I want who I want, but with who I want. But ultimately my team is the people that we get. I I tell people, I do not want any yes people. I want opposition. Hmm. If we agree on something great, but the core five I have around me, are all about opposition. I tell them, I want to look at this from every angle. I very rarely take what I'll call the Trump card. If you ever play cards, it's, it's a mixed term now because of the president, but Trump means yeah. I can take your, your card. I very rarely do that unless I'm very, 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 very strong. And it's because I have a better comprehension. It's my department and I'm getting feedback and I'm ultimately making the decision. But if I've got an inventory input idea, I don't get it. I want to know what's going on, but you'll never see me. I've got people that stay in that lane that know more. I've got guys that could build pivot tables around me in Excel. They could literally build formulas that are formulaic and they build huge graphs and, and Gantt charts and all kinds of crazy stuff that I can't necessarily do to their level, not even close. So it's good to have people around you that I'm not and to realize that. And then to say, look, how can I enrich their lives? Instead of what's in it for me, what's in it for them? And if you could have that mentality with them, what's in it for me, but opposite of that, figure out what's in it for them. And there's all kinds of ways to motivate people. But I'm telling you this, I will get to a billion dollars of revenue in the next five years. Right now, we're going to hit about 55 this year. I'm hoping if I buy a couple of companies, I can get that to 70. 
And then next year, I'm hoping to hit 150. So I wrote down a way to get to a billion. I need to hire 2,000 technicians. Well, to hire 2,000 technicians, roughly, I need to hire 70 a month. So how do I get to 70 a month? I, I reverse engineered that. And I did it on a huge whiteboard in front of my executive staff. And I said, so here's what we need to do. Here's the bottlenecks. Here's how we solve these bottlenecks. So I studied the outliers, and I became a bottleneck finder. And uh, there's this crazy thing that happens when I buy companies. And this is very, very exciting for me and hopefully your listeners, Blake. There's a thing called arbitrage. And I want people to listen to that word arbitrage. So in the home service industry, there's a thing called EBITDA. And that's every public traded company. It basically means profit. It's earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and appreciation. But what that means is your profitability in a nutshell. So say for this year, let's just say we did $50 million and let's just say it at 20%. So just I'm just going to take these numbers. That's $10 million. Now, $10 million, I'm a big company, so I'm worth about 10 times. The bigger you get with EBITDA, the bigger the multiplier. So that's times 10. So I'm worth right now as a company $100 million. Now, here's what's really cool. You're going to love this. This is, makes me super excited because I'm a platform company. I'm one of the best in the industry in garage so they consider me the platform. That means... Anybody I buy underneath me is going to, I'm going to absorb them into my platform. So let's say there's a $5 million company doing 10%. They're worth 500000 a year, which is a lot of money to be profiting. $5 million or $500,000 a year, they're worth about three times. So $1.5 million. But the day I buy them, I'm worth 10. So we'll just say nine because it's numbers. So the day I buy the 1.5, I pay 1.5 for them. It's worth 4.5. So the more I buy, this is where private equity comes in. And I know this is very sophisticated for a business owner that's just starting out. What I want them to realize is the progression of business has me start to look at these things saying, how do I get to that billion? And through acquisitions, and then I've got organically growth, the organic growth. But it's so much fun because I literally feel like I'm stealing because I'm (laughs) I'm making money out of thin air. I'm literally creating three times the value. It's like buying a truck yeah. and then saying, I bought it for 2000 but today it's worth 6000 And I could actually sell it for that today. Yeah, yeah. It's not even fair. It's like a, it's like a, it's a crazy way to win the game. And there's so many things here. Well, we I, just I, about. I mean, I love that you referenced E-Myth. I mean, just, just listening to you, Tommy, there's no way that you could focus on those big picture type uh, strategies for your business if you weren't if you weren't out of the day-to-day of your business. And it, I feel like what a powerful insight for some of our listeners of, of really tracking with you and getting to that point is finding the diligence to get themselves out of the day-to-day and really trusting their people. You know, what I love about you is you've mentioned so many times already your leadership style and delegating to your people and investing in your people, which, which is hard, I think, for business owners. But I think what's even more challenging is getting out of that day-to-day grind, the firefighting, you know, what's the next thing I got to deal with, to the point where a lot of business owners aren't thinking about how do I become a $1 billion business? Or, you know, I'm a 70,000-year-dollar business. How do I get to 300K or 500K? You know, we'll, we'll have these conversations like out of excitement of, oh, I'm just going to do more sales. Oh, I'm just going to grow the company but we don't always get down to what's really what I'm going to do day to day and build that because of the obligations we have. Um, and it sounds like you've really mastered that getting out of that day to day firefighting grind. Yeah. I think the fact is key performance indicators. So, so here, here's the thing. 
when I was in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, I had a gym teacher named Mr. Donner. We, I'd say one out of every five days, we'd sit down and we'd take quizzes and study guides on basketball, football, you know, left tackle, right tackle, left center, or center. You've got um, your guards. You, you've got your – I learned how to play the game. So that's kind of – that should be in a manual. So you should have manuals to how to play. Now, your KPIs are the scoreboard. So – you're always running a scoreboard. So I, when I walk into a, a business, the first thing I do, especially home service, I'm going to go, how much revenue are you doing and how much of that is profit? Then I'm going to say, what's your average ticket? Then I'm going to back in and I'm going to say, when you're face-to-face with this customer or client, what's your conversion rate? So when you got to do a bid, what's your conversion rate? Then I'm going to say, what's your call booking rate? And this is where I found a ton of money. And then I say, what does it cost you to acquire a customer? And that means... Right now, I have 4,300 call tracking numbers, and I have what's called a CRM. It's a customer relationship management system that's built to communicate with my, with my customers, but it also tells me everything about my internal customers, my employees. But I want to explain um, something very interesting, and this is, this is going to really hopefully impact some of the listeners out there. I've got employee A and employee B. They're both answering phone calls for me. Employee A has a 60% booking rate. That means he's booking six out of 10 customers that call in and they actually need our garage door service. The other one's booking nine out of 10. So B is booking, my my employee B is booking 90%, nine out of 10. A is booking six out of 10. So if they're booking, now on an average day, they'll take 20 calls. So one's going to book 12, one's going to book 18. Now at $500 per acquisition, $500 $500 average service call, $500. Now stick with me here. The math is going to, if they want to write it down in there in front of a calculator. <laughs> but if they work 300 days out of the year, employee A makes $900,000 less than employee B. Almost a million dollars. This is two people. Just a two person. You got a company of eight people. There's only two of them answering phones. Without paying attention to that, you're losing potentially $900,000 of revenue. So by lifting up your employees, by train, one day somebody asked me, what happens if you train their, your employees and they leave? And I said, what happens if you train your employees and they stay? Right. Ultimately, you should be training, 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 and recruit. Forget hiring off of Craigslist and Indeed and, and LinkedIn and Facebook. Actually go out and find people and get them to switch to your business. Stack the deck. Mm. And then you, you orient them. Then you train the crap out of them. Continue to train, 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 train. And then you retain them. And there's a big thing there with retention that people lose the, the idea of retention. So I don't want to say this because I hated – I'm going to say it, but I hated this when I first started is culture. Everybody talks about culture. Well, if you were to walk through my office, I've got a thing to dunk the trainer. You throw the softball at it. I've got a golden tee, a big buck hunter. I've got a, uh, a, a pinball machine. I've got a game with a Raspberry Pi with a thousand games on it. I've got bags. I've got ping pong. I've got air hockey. I've got foosball. I've got basket. I got a basketball net out there. If you, we've got a popcorn machine, a hot dog machine, um, <laughs> coffee machine. We've got every single thing you could think of that's just provided for the employees. Because I wanted this. To, we've got three massage chairs. This has to be a place where people love to be at, where they've got a voice, where they're actually going to enjoy themselves, where they're going to refer their friends. They're going to tell their friends, neighbors, and family, come work here. This is a great place. And they're going to put their name behind it. 
Remember, one A employee equals three B employees. They'll run circles around three B. So stacking the deck with great people. Is but the but Tommy, I, I think I think what's even the, the key insight there because I, I don't want I don't want people to get lost in this and like eyes glaze over of like oh my gosh what's all the stuff I need to go out and buy all this stuff. <laughs> that stuff, that stuff, they're great perks. But that's not what's retaining your people. Just listening to you, you talk about you empower your people. You give them the opportunity to challenge you. You delegate to them to give them authority. Like that's, I think that's the key insight. And it's why so many business leaders, they buy this stuff and then they're, they're lost and confused why it's not working is because what you just described, your leadership style, that's the magic, I think. That's what makes someone feel like, wow, I want to work here for life is because I individually matter here. And what's even for the listener, before we hit the record button, we were talking about COVID and how this has just really got you to drill down on your people. Whereas some companies right now are, frankly, COVID has just revealed how they see their people. And that's dollars and cents. And how do I make more money out of my people? How do I cut costs? I mean, it's, it's really, people have really missed it, I think, during this pandemic. Whereas on the other hand, with you, and, and I wish I had already been recording, you were just talking about, man, you were just so in on investing in your people. I think that's the key insight. Yeah, you know, that came off wrong because I understand how, uh, from coming from a third party listening to this, I think people have to have a voice. But what culture means to me is, is that everybody here cares. You're only as strong as your weakest link. And we understand something here. Right now, we're going on 225 employees. So 225, each taking care of what uh, three other people. So you times that by three and add it to itself. So you've got, what is that, 800 and uh, 900 people there times, yeah, so about 900 people. And when you have 900 employees, uh, the mouse we're feeding, you've got an obligation to each department to make sure we're doing the thing. As, as a team, we read five dysfunctions of a, of a team. Yeah. We understand that. We have loyalty to our own department and the employees in there, but we really have loyalty to each other's as executives more. And everybody should have a voice. And everybody, you know, the main thing is you're right. Everybody needs a voice. They need to understand you care. You know, I told somebody the other day, we have lunch. We get lunch catered in at least once every other week or, or breakfast. And I said, go out there and find someone that needs tires um, in the call center or the dispatchers because because I want to get someone a, a new set of tires that's not expecting it. And it's a little things. And it's not about buying stuff, but it's about, you know what, you know how much to pick up some eggs and bacon cost and cook as an owner for your company. It might cost you $20, $30, but that little token of appreciation and just say this guys, we really, really appreciate you. I don't know if you know, if you ever heard this, we've got employee of the month. We've got a thing where we say all, all the new guys that got hired, we've got this, and, uh, this monthly newsletter, and I wish I had one. It's in the other office, but it's beautiful. It's about 40 pages, and it says what we're working on. Communication, internal communication. They want to know that they've got room to move up. They want to know that their voice is going to be heard. They want to know that they're working for a company that cares and gives back. And if you can feel those, forget about buying a basketball hoop or a ping pong table. That, that means nothing to anybody in comparison to what it means like to have a good leader and a team that's got systems. Now, here's the key thing. Standard operating procedures and systems to make sure the voices are heard. It's just not, hey, this is how I act and this is how you should act. It's, there, there's, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of very, very, very good meetings that people's input are taken. And, and like I said, the steps of delegation are critical to make things happen correctly in a business of this size. I love it, man. And like I said, it, it's, it's, 
it's great to meet a business owner who gets it from the leadership perspective. And again, especially during a time like a pandemic like COVID, it's, I think it's all the more important for people to really drill down and invest in their people. Um, Tommy, we, man, I feel like I just scratched the surface. I have so many other questions I want to dig into, but we're out of time. What can people, because here's the deal, I, for people who aren't living in Phoenix, Arizona, let's say the people who wouldn't hire your company to fix their garage, how can people keep learning from you, listening to you, following you? I mean, you obviously, you have a wealth of wisdom in the business space. What can my listeners do to stay engaged with you? You know, I spent two years, I worked on this book. It's called The Home Service Millionaire. And it's on Amazon, but it's also on Audible. And um, if you get the chance, uh, I actually made it just cover the shipping and handling. If you want to pay nine bucks, you go to homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash free. Or you can order it on Amazon. But the Audible is the best because I actually, believe it or not, Amazon takes 70% of that. So I'm not becoming rich off the book. But <laughs> I've got 12 co-authors in it. Um, if you want to learn how to make an amazing manual, uh, Al Levy. I've, I've got the CEO of Valpac, those little blue coupons that come in the mail. I've got the CEO of Service Titan. if you want to learn about CRMs. If you want to learn about how to, this is the biggest mistake I see. Finances get out of control. And if you go listen to Alan Rohr of how she says to handle finances, Alan Rohr is the guru. So now we have a financial quick check every Friday. Absolutely amazing. So if you get a chance, check out the book. And then I've got my podcast called The Home Service Expert. And we're getting about 20,000 downloads a month on that, which is cool. That to me is my, my, um, my meditation. That to me is my nourishment. That to me, it's what I need. And I, I have one that comes out every week and I just, I learn from the experts and I get experts. I mean, I get guys that are like, have, have turned billion dollar companies through private equity. And I, I was on the phone with one for an hour the other day. And he's just, like I said, if I want to learn, I read their book, I get a hold of them. And for some reason, they take my phone calls. <laughs> and, uh, and now that they come on my podcast and I say, you know, I'm going to ask you really tough, tough questions. But some of the podcasts is talking to newly homeowners. Some of them are business owners. Some of them's like, how do we create $5 billion in the next five years? Because that's what I want to know. So yeah. people that have progressed, you listen to the first one, you'll be like, dude, this guy's clicking away. At, he's buying books that they're somebody recommend a book and I didn't realize I was not on mute and I'd be typing it in and buying it <laughs> like multitasking. And then yeah, yeah. I do it now. I'm like infatuated with the people. I'm like, okay, that's good and dandy, but how do we do it? How do we start today? And then like, I get excited, man. This is to me, it's the number one thing you have to have is passion and you got to have a vision and a reason for doing it. You got to have your why Simon Sinek. And uh, that's, that's the best way to do it, man. You can get a hold of me. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, you name it. Love it. Tommy, thanks for joining us today. And uh, we'll be sure to put the link to the book and the podcast uh, down in the episode description. So thanks for joining today. Thanks, Blake. Appreciate you. Hey, for the listeners, absolutely check out that podcast. What the heck are you waiting on? You got to go look up the home service expert. You can find it on iTunes or probably really anywhere you find any podcast. Also check out Tommy Mello's book. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet and leave us a five-star review. We'll keep bringing you good advice week to week with incredible guests just like Tommy. Hey, take care. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. See ya.